Hey again, happy Thursday, or whatever day they're listening to this. Keep forgetting that podcasts are available to you anytime. Oh yeah, go back and check the others out then. Truly, take your pick. One-on-one conversations, series panels, or deep dives into some of TV's biggest topics. It's all there for you, anytime you want it. So we're Emily and Caitlin, co-founders of ATX TV Festival. And if you haven't, you should definitely check out the festival. All these conversations you're hearing the last few weeks are from ATX Season 7 and show what we're all about. From politically minded to inside the writer's room to this, a conversation with Ray Liotta. Now, we know what you're thinking. Ray isn't a TV guy. She just did air quotes around TV guy. Yeah, I did. Sorry. Uh, Anyway, we thought, sure, he's on Shades of Blue, but he isn't really TV. He's Field of Dreams. He's... Goodfellas, but we're all about TV. Why have a conversation with him? Well, that's where you're wrong. Ray has been doing TV for over 30 years, from soap operas to St. Elsewhere to even winning an Emmy for ER. He's kind of been on the front lines of TV to see the growth, the change, the evolution. Once we learned the error of our ways, we were all in, and we think you may be too. So here it is. A conversation with Ray Liotta, moderated by IndieWire's Ben Travers. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Uh, I am Ben Travers, the TV critic at IndieWire, and I am incredibly excited to be here tonight. Um, Well, this afternoon. Um, Just so you know, so you can prepare, there will be a portion at the end of this where you guys get to ask questions to Ray. So, you know, start thinking about those. I'm sure some stuff will pop up as we go, but, you know, we'll have some time. I believe that everybody has a different association with Ray Liotta. Uh, Some may immediately flash to Goodfellas and Field of Dreams, others to NARC or his Golden Globe-nominated role in Something Wild. Um, But I I think about Pauly. I think about the overprotective gas station attendant and unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, I (laughs) I think about Charlie Metcalf, who is this man facing and accepting an imminent death in ER. Um, over an impressive career, Leota has taken on roles big and small and made each and every one memorable, gripping, and alternatingly hilarious and heartfelt, whichever applies. Um, everyone is familiar with the actor, but today we're going to get to know the man behind the roles all the way through his journey across decades of television. He's been in it before anyone ever uttered the phrase peak TV, and now he's thriving in the golden age that he helped usher in. So without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's my privilege to introduce you to the one, the only, Ray Liotta. It's uh, it's a little warm, but as we were talking about, the uh, the barbecue makes it worth it. Uh, so, Mr. Leota, I I wanted to start all the way back at the beginning and just kind of get uh, a, a general assessment of you. Like, when when did you first decide you wanted to be an actor, and when you started thinking about acting? Was TV in the picture? Um, I never thought about being an actor. I I, I was a, a jock in high school. Uh, our senior year, we were we were able. Just a little bit of a story. So, um, <laughs> my senior year, I, uh, I I took a there was a drama class that we we could take, and we took it. Me and my best friend Gene, and we just figured we we'd fool around and just you know it wasn't very demanding. So we liked that. It wasn't we were okay students, but like I say, mostly all we did is play sports. Um. This was in high school, and then I, I had a fight with the basketball coach, and the drama teacher asked me if I wanted to be in the play. <laughs> well, I gotta do something after school, so I was so used to like doing things after school. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. So I went and did the play, and I hated it. It was, it was Sunday in New York. Uh, I don't even have memories of it. 
Um, all, I, all I remember is the director, for some reason, <laughs> put me all over school in a little towel, bare-chested, but just a towel wrapped around me. I said, oh, God, what did I do? So it came time to go to college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I walked out of my, my SATs, because I said, I'm not, I, I did this, I had no idea, I, I'm not proud of this, but I just, I said, maybe I'll just work construction the rest of my life, or I, I, my dad had a chain of automotive stores, and I didn't realize he was angling for me to maybe take over that. So anyhow, I'm in line. I'm just going to take liberal. Oh, I got into the University of Miami. This was 1973. And at that time, all you needed was a pulse to get in there. <laughs> so because I didn't, so I, I got in, I was going to take liberal arts just because I had no idea what I wanted to take. So I walk in, boom, in the front of the line, and they tell me I have to take some math and history. I said, Fuck, no way. <laughs> There's no, 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 I don't, well, no. And I looked up, and right next to it, it was it was for the drama, drama major, if you wanted to uh, major in drama. So I took a step over, because I had the easy class in, in high school, and I said, all right, I'll, I'll be, uh, uh, I'll just do this and, and, and just have fun for a year. Uh, because that, that class was fun. There was a girl in line, typical actor story, and she asked if I was going to uh, audition for the play that that night. And I said, no. And she berated me. She just went, oh, you got to do the play. It's all about doing the play. Theater's everything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so just to annoy her, I asked, well, are you going to be there? I, I just told you, everything is about the play. <laughs> so... Uh, I went and, and auditioned, and real, real <laughs> the, the first thing you had to do is you had to tell a sad story. And I was on the phone with Bobby Zimbardo. We had this dog that was just hyper and just a pain in the butt. I opened the, 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 the usually we had to walk him out to the woods. I just walked him out, figured he would just go and come back. Well, I'm on the phone, and a few minutes later, I hear a screech and yelping. The dog got hit by a car. Sad story. <laughs> so, so I got, I, 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 so then I, I said they, they wanted me to go to the next move, that do, do uh, sing and dance, because it was a musical. And uh, uh, so I'm a jock from New Jersey, and the, the girl that challenged me, Valerie, I don't, I don't know how to, I did like, I lived 45, 40 minutes out, out of uh, Manhattan. Uh, in New Jersey, and I remember my parents taking me to see the play Pippin, and I remember this one one song. So I told her about the song. She went, she got it, she found the sheet music. I sang with it to to the to the album, and all right. So I take the sheet music now, and I go in and I give it to the to the piano player, and then I take it back. He says, "What what uh, what, what are you doing?" He was very like. Just picture Elton John. <laughs> so he just said, no, 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 are you kidding me? I don't, I don't know this music. He says, well, I don't know the words. I know you have to have it memorized. <laughs> so he said, just do the best you can. Well, all I could remember was the refrain. We got magic to do just for you. We got magic to do. We got magic to do. We got magic to do. And they're saying, wait, but you got to dance. You're supposed to be dancing as you're singing. And all I could think of, uh, I'm, I'm 63, so, so there used to be a group called Freddy and the Dreamers. <laughs> and they had a, 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 a dance where they said, you, you do the Freddy. <laughs> we got magic to do, we got magic to do. And and so I, and I got I got in the play, and and I was a dancing waiter in cabaret. So, but what really got me into acting? To answer your question, there was this teacher named Buckets, and he wore these dark glasses, 
and and he in class he was, it was like being a coach because I was a jock. He, you know, he would be, you know, all right, yeah, 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 no, 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 get your lines, commit over here, go, he was very, he was very strong about the way to, to do things, and because I had never acted, thank God that this was my first teacher, because I didn't have any bad habits to break, because he was just, it was very Stanislavski, and, and it was him that, that I really responded to, and he responded to me, because I was just a guy from New Jersey, not somebody who was doing theater since they were in kindergarten. And uh, so I, I went a second year. And then I found out they when they know you're, you're coming back, they pick the plays based on the people coming back. And I got everything. I got every lead. And uh, from, from doing Streetcar to to Dames at Sea, to, to uh, uh, Taming of the Shrew. You did a little bit of everything. And, you know, you get something nice, nice reviews. You feel good about yourself. And you think, well, maybe I could do this. And then I started getting serious about it. And like I said, it was in 73. And the only movies I used to go to as a kid were was either a Clint Eastwood movie or the Beatles movies. I remember like as, as a fourth or fifth grader in line, oh my God, you can watch the Beatles movie. <laughs> and uh, so I started watching movies and from the 70s, they were all just unbelievably great movies, the, 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 what they got to do. Um, and where am I now? I think that's pretty it. Well, that, that's what, when you started taking going? it seriously. Oh, that's that, then, yeah, and, then, and so then <laughs> I, I did. I, 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 I started taking it seriously, and and I, I stayed for the four years. I graduated. Uh, third day in New York, I got a commercial. Within a week, I had a manager. Within a, then a, next, I had a, a an agent. Uh, and if there's any actors here, I could tell you that story because it's really about, you know, they say like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. It's so true. Uh, and, and within six months I got a soap opera and I didn't want to do a soap opera because I, you know, I was saying, I was watching all the sixties, I mean the seventies movies and all these people that I idolize, which I, happened to end up working with, with Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, Davina, uh, uh, Dan, uh, Danny DeVito. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's worth not against yeah. him, it's just I didn't have any things with the penguin. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so anyhow, I started working with, with, with a lot of those, those people that I idolized. Well, I mean... Uh, you mentioned a little bit about it, but going back to that first gig on a soap opera, you know, this is this is television. You took the job. You were on there. I mean, what did you what did you take right. away from that? Like as an actor, once you got into it and did it, was there anything that stuck with you? It 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 was the best. I, I'm I'm proud to admit a lot of actors don't about being on a soap. I was on it for three and a half years. I was Joey Perini, where I played the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> I really got so much that that. I, I gave a St. Christopher's medal to my to my fiance. I, I asked her to get married. She she died. Uh, so I go up to where where we I proposed to her. I slip, hit my head, end up in a hospital. It's just a soap opera. <laughs> I end up in the hospital, and this nurse is taking care of me. She's taking care of me. She's taking care of me, and I start falling for the nurse. Well. Within like a few months of, of 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 being with with the nurse, she tells me that she's she's like from a family of the richest woman in America. I said, "What'd you say?" She said, "I'm from like I'm the richest family in America," and I, it, it incensed me that she lied. And we went, and I got an annulment because she lied. <laughs> And then I came to my senses and got her back, and we went off to Switzerland skiing, and that's how they ended my three and a half years. <laughs> well, it's a happy ending for a happy character. That's good. That's, huh? that's something. It's a happy ending for a happy character. Yeah, so but that's... the great thing is uh, the, the producer that we had, Paul Rausch, he would go to, to Broadway shows see an actor, knew that certain parts were coming up, went backstage and said, look, would you like to be on a soap opera. And I said, what? And he says, wait a second, 
uh, you know, I'll give you whatever it was, you know, a, a thousand a show or wh whatever these guys were making. Um, and I, I'll guarantee that you get out whatever time you want in time to do your play, to get ready for the plays. And so they did. And I was lucky enough. To, I don't know if people know her, but by far the, one of the top people I've ever worked with, this woman, Kathleen Widows, she played my mother. And she was really loosey goosey about doing it, and then you know she would be, we would be on stage, you know, I mean uh, backstage talking. Oh, we we had to do our scene, and we'd come out, and it would just be just so real. She made it so real, and all the actors were like that, you know. If there was always I was at the toy store, and I got a scene with somebody, and I there was a ball, so I just took the ball and threw it to him, and then all of a sudden we're having a catch. This wasn't supposed to, and you know it was really loose. And it really enabled me to feel very, very comfortable in front of a camera. And they got like three cameras going. So uh, it, it was a great, great training ground. Well, I mean, to go along with that, your next TV role is one that I couldn't find a lot of information on online. I couldn't find a lot of clips. But I, I just want to know what your experience on the Casablanca adaptation was like. <laughs> Because they they made it was 1983 they made a they made the the obviously classic film Casablanca into a TV show short lived, uh, but I mean you were on it you were yeah, part of that. that. Now you know why you didn't find a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> you just said it all. What was that like, kind of being approached with that idea of of that classic film when you are you know looking into getting into big films and taking it seriously and and they're asking to make this for TV. Uh. <sighs> The, the 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 best thing about it and what intrigued me was one that they offered it to me and two that uh, it was being produced by David Wolper and he was one of the biggest producers he's the one who did Roots he's the one who did uh, shows like big miniseries type things so it was a very very weighty producer uh, we were shooting it in the same in the same stage with the same a furniture as literally what they used in the movie. Not that that was an incentive to do it. It was just a little, I'm just adding a fun fact. <laughs> uh, and, but I was, so I was Sasha, the bartender and they would, you know, I, I never said a word. And David soul, if you remember him from Starsky and Hutch, he was, he was Rick. And, and the great thing about it. and, and, I can't say I became friends, but we did a little. It was Scatman Crothers played uh, uh, Sam, and I don't know if Scatman was. You know, he was just great. He was just a great guy and kind of a, a, a legend. Even though a lot of people don't know him, he was he was great to work with. So, but Casablanca for TV with David Soul. Whoa, it got canceled? No. <laughs> it's, it's a fun fact in and of itself that it existed. Um, but, I mean, from there, you really, you really started to get some really great uh, roles in films. And, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't need to list them, but they were, they were incredible, incredible pieces, and, and you did incredible work within them. And at the time, uh, you know, television was, was far from the respected medium that it is today. Uh, when you were, you know, when you're in Goodfellas, when you're, you know, going to the Golden Globes for something wild... Did you think you'd go back to TV at some point? Like, were you were you thinking about television at all, or was it just you know I've got a film career now, I've moved on from that? Yeah, no, definitely. I was in in movies, and when I started, if you were doing uh, a television show or commercials or something, it was pretty much you were at the end of the line. That was the only thing that was the the films were drying up, and these people started going in. So you know, I got. Someone like Carl Malden, an unbelievable actor in 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 in, in uh, on the waterfront, streetcar, and you know he's doing Streets of San Francisco. So, but it was towards the end of his career. So, you know, one as, as I'm learning, as they get older and older, the less they want to travel. And the television show, you're basically in one one place. Um, but it was like your career was over. So, no, at that time especially with doing Goodfellas and Field of Dreams, the last thing I thought about, and I became 
the like like what happens now the flavor of of the month there you know i was getting offers for everything my problem was i thought it was all about acting and not branding and now what these actors are doing are it, it's smart but they're branding themselves i i waited a year i did this movie something wild where i was a nut job and and i i just waited cuz i didn't want to get Get typecast, and I waited a year, and I did this beautiful story called Dominic and Eugene, um, and then Field of Dreams, and then Goodfellas. You know, after after uh, Goodfellas, I did this movie Article Ninety Nine, where I was a heart surgeon. That's what I thought it was about, playing different parts, and uh, I, the movies, I, like the. Article 99 was a really good movie. Orion all of a sudden goes bankrupt. So they can't even get the movie out because they have no money. So the court says, all right, we'll release the movie and maybe you could get money. How are you going to get money if you like you don't people don't know what the what the the story is? There's no advertising. So I just have bad luck and 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 but there were like unlawful entry I got to do. I got to as, as stupid as the title is Operation Dumbo Drop. It was, <laughs> people really laugh at that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I swear to God, I, I was in Las Vegas and I went backstage to see Cher to say hello to her because I knew her. And Don Rickles had opened for her. And never met him in my life. I, I I walk in. He says, "A dumbbell drop. Good move." <laughs> I swear to God. And I said, "Thanks, Don." Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't need much more of an endorsement than that. I think. Yeah, that's, really. That's... But it was a really good movie. Yeah. It was just the title was, and it was a true story. A, a village in Vietnam. They lost their elephant. The elephant meant a lot to the to the village. Whether I don't know if it if, if it was a good luck thing or whatever. So these guys and I was a green beret. The guy I played. They had to take the elephant from wherever and on a boat and going all through Vietnam get this elephant to the village. That that where their elephant was killed by our forces, and uh, so it, it was it was it was it was fun. It was a true story. It was just a horrible title, but I did like a lot of different parts because that's what I thought it was. And then the movies weren't didn't make money, and I just hit that period of of just not getting things, and the things that were coming in were. I mean, thank God. You could say what you want. There's this guy, Avi Lerner, who owned this place, Millennium, and he would he would give he would do movies. He never even read the script. He just said the concept. He said he 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 just did it by by where you were in your in your career and what you were worth uh, uh, overseas. And so for a while there I was, and so I got jobs and did that. But most of the jobs you had to shoot in Bulgaria. <laughs> Not exactly ideal. A beautiful. I mean, it was. It just was ten years out of uh, out of communism, and they were really trying to get it together. How you know the buildings were all the paint was all chipping. The 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 grass that was in the common areas in the in the street that was all grown. It was just really, uh, uh, you know, they they had trouble. They they had you know it was taking them time to get into more of a, a, a away from the communism head and into a, a freedom head. And then I went back a few years later and they, they look at the buildings, look at how nice this is. They, they fixed it up. They, they, they got it. They started getting, you know. Well, I mean, kind of, kind of steering like in the same vein, but I mean, in 98, you were, you were approached by or, or the Rat Pack came out on HBO and you know, this is a, this is a big deal movie. It won Emmys. And uh, it got good reviews, and people really respected it. But this was still '98. It was when HBO was just kind of getting started with, you know, premium shows like The Sopranos and Sex and the City. And an HBO film wasn't quite the same thing as it is today. And TV still wasn't the same thing it was today. Were you wary of doing an HBO movie, like of doing a TV movie at that time, or was that more just, uh, it's a good project. I get to play Frank Sinatra. Like, 
what kind of went into that decision for you? No, I, I, I was afraid to play. I was scared shitless to play Frank Sinatra. I said, what? No. I, I was approached by his daughters to do the miniseries. And I just said, no, I'm, I'm, I just couldn't. It just scared me the judgment that would come at me, and I'm not a you know a, a singer and a dancer, even though I did cabaret. <laughs> um, but they kept coming after me, and it wasn't about HBO. That HBO was still considered, you know, <laughs> what they say: it's not TV, it's HBO. Uh, uh, and I, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, like, no way, no way, no way. And then I'm saying, wait a second. Why, why aren't I, what's really the reason why I don't want to do this? And the biggest thing, what I remember learning from, from the acting teacher, which, I, which I'd like to get into, because for 12 years, even when I did, I, I would do uh, uh, the first five or six, seven movies I did, as soon as the movie was over, I was back to acting class. You know, get a movie, then back to class. Um, but, but I said, well, well, it's fear of what people are going to say. And that's one of the apocalypses that, that you know, you're, you're saying other people's words. You're doing it on cue. You're doing it in front of people. And, and, and that really, you know, the only thing I had in common with Frank Sinatra is we're both from New Jersey and we both say fuck. <laughs> that, was, that was it. But uh, I don't know. I just, I just decided, wait a second. This is going to be a great challenge to do. Just do it. Just do it. Could be an afraid. Who cares what anybody says? And so I did it. And I just became obsessed with Sinatra, reading his books. There's so many books about it. I would talk to, to people that knew him. I would go to their offices and, and get information. I went down to his compound in, in Palm Springs and got into that and walked around just to get a flavor of, of who he was. And then we, uh, then we did, you know, we're practicing singing. And then what I did, what you, what we were doing is crazy. We, we, or I did uh, lip sync. Well, we all did. I would lip sync to a Frank Sinatra impersonator that because he just sounded like it because it was just way too much money to to get his recordings and us sing to to him doing it. And but then once I I, I did it, I, I it was just so liberating to be up on stage and singing and moving and just you know it was just I just started feeling really good about it and it was after that that things started kicking in again for me where it wasn't you know that down thing start it started rising uh but yeah I was I was oh shoot I knew that was going to happen sorry <laughs> it's okay this happens here um, I forgot to turn it off. Now, if I was on a set, I would motherfuck the person to death. <laughs> I, I'm not going to take on that responsibility. Sorry for my French. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm from Jersey's. I would, though. I would go nuts on the person. If they've seen your movies and your shows, I think they're they're okay with the language, so we'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but right. you're... That's right. If they're here, then afraid of blood yeah your your voice made it onto the soundtrack you're credited for two of those songs on on the rat pack did you so did you sing like did you did any of that come through like did you know that that was going to be in the show like part of it was what like your singing? voice like your singing was actually well, yeah, in there. Yeah. the script it, it said it in the script you know what i was what i was supposed to do so i i i, I like i said i just went for it and this guy i don't know what his name is it's something Lover. He was this tap dancer, very, very famous, great tap dancer. He was our core. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great, great, great tap dancer. Unbelievable. Uh, he was he was our choreographer. So even though he just did this, we were still had choreography. Uh, because there's you know, there's scenes where there were we're singing for when Kennedy was was it, it was a capsulized version of of his helping helping kennedy and then being told that he can't come to the compound or be a part of anything in his in kennedy's world and here he was asked by the father like you know 
help? Can you help uh, help us do? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a help for an introduction to to one of the bad guys because, uh, as the story goes, he got Kennedy. You know, they went to mob guys for for help, and they used. Well, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> it's part of the movie. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, it's so, but yeah, I I I I loved it. I just let it go. I just had fun. And that's really what it's about. And 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 I'm really glad I did it because I just as an actor, and I I still am in that men mentality. As far as I'm concerned, I still haven't made it. I I haven't done everything. You know, I'd like to do a movie where I don't have to choke the girl to kiss her. <laughs> a very reasonable request. <laughs> huh? A very reasonable request. Very yeah. Reasonable request. Uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, you see, I'm funny. <laughs> but you know, I'm not, I'm not what I played. You know, most people have this image of, uh, of that, which is, which is fine. Uh, and uh, I still think that if, if you were to name, let's just say Al Pacino, you're, you know, you're gonna think of, you know, the Godfather or, 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 uh, 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 what is it? Afternoon, where he's robs oh, the dog day afternoon. Dog, dog day afternoon, afternoon, right? You're not going to think of author, author, or or some of the other things that he did. It's the bad. Usually, the bad guy. Same thing with De Niro. He played, you know, Awakenings and 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 this the nice, beautiful, you know, things. But you think of him with the edgy stuff. It's just this edgy stuff just stands out in people's minds because. I, you know, anything that stays with you, it's because it impacted you. And that's the whole thing about acting. What you want to do is you want to impact the person so they're just watching for, for however long and just absorbed in, in watching it without any distractions. Well, to kind of go along with the idea of, of that image of what kind of people think of you, uh, I noticed that you've played yourself in multiple TV shows. I think it started with Just Shoot Me when you had two yeah. episodes as Ray Liotta, but you were also on Modern Family as Ray Liotta. And, and what was and the other one? Modern Family? As, weren't you just, was that you? Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I think just recently, uh, Great News, the NBC sitcom that Tina Fey produced, Great News, yeah, you were also that. on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what? I also was myself in the B movie. You were? Yeah, you were. <laughs> All right, well, there's a nice expanded universe now. There's a Ray Liotta television cinematic universe we can we can pull together. But like when you're approached for those roles, what does that mean to you? What is it? Wow, I mean, what's the intrigue of playing yourself? What what do you get out of that as, as an experience? I like to look at it that it means that people know me. You know, like if he, there's a whole thing, like if you, or you get, you know, do people, you know, you can walk down the street and people come up and say anything, and you know, people ask, "Does it bother you?" And sometimes it's like it could be annoying, but that means they're watching. So, uh, but to answer your question, what did it mean? It was, I just went with it. What was the first one I did? Of, uh, that was me. Just shoot me, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's just shoot me in one of the episodes. I'm playing myself, and I I forgot the actress's name who who I uh, I'm going out with. And she comes over to my house for Christmas, and and she comes in, and I decorated that. There's there's uh, the the everything with Christmas, the trees, the st the stockings, everything was beautiful to the point at the end. Two little elves jumped up from behind the uh, the chair, and these the two little people, and that you know, as as Santa's helpers, and that's you know, that, that's how much I was into to Christmas. <laughs> and just like the real Ray Liotta, I'm sure you yeah. decorate your house similarly. Exactly. Um, but I mean, it's notable that they're all comedies, at least. Like it gets you an opportunity to kind of play up that comedic side, which you just mentioned. You know, it's exciting to get out there because you are very good at comedies. It's exciting to see you in those projects. Yeah, I, I, I just like doing them. I don't. I just, I, I just think it's so much fun to play pretend for a living. I, I would just like to do more of it. But the, the, the. The whole landscape of, of movies has just changed from when I started. It's it's there's a few. Like, just look at the end of the year. Look, at, they have the ten movies for Academy Awards. I mean, can you believe some of them that were up there? 
I mean, seriously, are you? That's that's for for best picture. No fucking. But because they stopped making the kind of movies that they did in the seventies, and now it's the 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 tentpole stuff. So I think I'm just gonna start taking steroids and <laughs> may, maybe get a job as a you know. No. Well, we're. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we're very happy to have you on television because, you know, I feel like there are so many ample opportunities there. A lot of people do talk about how maybe not the exact vibe of the 70s, but that kind of creative resurgence has happened during the golden age of TV where you're given the opportunity to play some of those those gritty, dark roles. And honestly, I mean, it's, it's just one episode, but obviously it made a mark. Uh, your role in ER, where you got to play Charlie Metcalf as this man who comes into the emergency room and he's he's very sick and he knows he's sick, he knows he has problems, but... He's told that day he's going to die. Like it's it's a very intense episode that also kind of plays with uh, with with you know alternate reality and and dreamscapes and kind of these visions. Um, I'm very curious about how that process went down for you. Where did they send you the script and the part and say this is what we want you to yeah. do? And then you just responded to that to go and do it. And then also, I mean, it was still TV in 2004. It was still NBC. Was that at all a stopping point for you? No, because once. You know, you're still doing it in front of a camera, and yeah, it might be a TV show, but but the job of an actor is to fulfill the story and uh, that that's being told. So in this one, I was an extreme alcoholic to the point where I was I was going to die, and I remember that I I start out where I'm I'm nodding out, and then I I fall and I just missed. A, a, a table, but it was really good for the show, and luckily they got the shot. Uh, <laughs> and and you know, calling my kids who who I I abandoned, and letting them know that I'm so sorry what I did, and and I, you know, starting to get emotional, and they don't want to talk to me. It was it was really you know, Chris Chulak uh, uh, directed it, and and not that anybody would know no, but it was. It was a really moving, great episode. It really was. Uh, so I deserve the Emmy on that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I am also curious, though, like just in regards to the Emmy, I mean, I feel like intel, like with, with movies, it's very clear that the Oscars are the ultimate goal. The Oscar is the thing that, that is really kind of the standard and, and what people are shooting for in a lot of ways. And with TV, you you know, it's kind of split. There's Golden Globes that mean a, a great deal to a lot of people. There's the Emmys, which, uh, you know, have a lot more industry and insiders voting on them and usually gets kind of a heavier play these days. But at the time, what did what did an Emmy mean to you in your career? Like at that moment in 2004 for that role, what was it like to win an Emmy? I mean, what was what was that experience for you? I was I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I had a, I, I did a movie uh, which was the oddest movie ever with with uh that that guy Richie uh directed with Jason Statham what was Revol it? was that Revolve? Yeah Revolver was so odd I have no idea what it was about. <laughs> I re I really don't. And I would ask him to explain it and I was huh? So I went to the premiere for that even though, you know, because I didn't think I was going to win, and I th thought it was more important for, for my career at the time to, to, to go there. So I wasn't there. But, the, you know, when I got it, it it's, you, you know, I, I don't know. You don't pat yourself on the back. You're happy that, that they people noticed. And, and I really took that part really serious, and it really made an impact on me. And as a matter of fact, I've had people come up to me to thank me uh, for that episode because it helped their father or, or loved one uh, to stop drinking because they saw what eventually could happen because this really was a stage of, of, of a major alcoholic at the end of his life. And uh, it impacted on people, and that I mean, that's a nice that's a nice feeling when somebody does that when they come up and they were impacted that way. All right. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here are very aware of, of what you're doing now, Shades of Blue on on NBC. It's it's uh, to me, I feel like it's one of those uh, rare dramas that's on broadcast that doesn't feel like a broadcast drama. It feels very gritty and authentic. 
And, um, you know, first and foremost, I, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I am curious, just what was kind of the, the motivating factor for taking on this script? Like, I, I mean, it's a series regular role. It's a, it's a very, you know, kind of conflicted character who's pulled in a lot of bad directions and then also, you know, pushed to do some of the good things. Um, but what was it at that point where you were like, I'm ready to do a series regular role on, on television in 2016, 2015? Because the guy was bisexual. <laughs> and, uh, that, you know, that's a very different kind of thing to do for television. And, I'm, you know, that I don't, I'm not on that team, but it was, it was fun <laughs> To, you know, there was there was that, and I I I got it, and and the biggest thing was that um, Barry Levinson was going to direct it. So like Barry Levinson, I talk about seventies, and and so it was it was that the biggest factor to to be really honest was I just was a little nervous about doing it with Jennifer Lopez, you know. <laughs> You don't actually think of, you know, luckily Jenny from the block came out and and <laughs> she and she's actually really, really good in it. And uh, it, it was just so you just roll the dice and say, you know, there were so many things in there that I couldn't like you say it, that um, that the head of NBC used to be the head of Showtime. So he had that kind of mentality of doing things that would go to the edge. And I, I'm, I'm truly, truly going to miss doing it because it was a great, great character. And I, I really think, is there any big NBC people here? <laughs> uh, I, really, I really think that, yeah, Jennifer was great, but you could have, you know, go get you know, Edie Falco and we're off and running again. You know, it was that well constructed and you never really knew what was going to happen um I, I i love doing it i'm i'm hungry to do another 13 episode type thing well i mean you, you so season three is going to be the final season i'm not sure i think that's that's definitely been announced but um you're done shooting now right you've you've wrapped on oh, season yeah, three yeah, yeah yeah okay so what what can you tell us about what's coming and, and right after this guys we're going to get to the audience questions so if you're ready start thinking about them but um, I, I mean, I, I know season two ended well, now on a they're big not going to listen to my answer. They're no, gonna they're going to be This is this is the big question. People are dying to know they're what's next. They're going to be thinking about. Well, now what should I say? Oh gosh, I'm, oh, I'm so nervous to talk in front of people. No, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I am going to do it. I am going to do it. I. Uh, um. Uh, what'd you say? I don't know if it matters anymore. Um, no, just uh, what can you tell us about season three without, you know, obviously. I don't know. I don't remember it. It was we shot we shot it so long ago. Um, uh, I, I know that that Harley Jennifer's character starts going through a change and it feels very, very guilty about the life that she's been living, being in my crew and doing the types of things. Have people here seen the show? OK, so. uh uh, it wasn't that was it wasn't very loud. <laughs> um, They're just shy. They're that's all right. Questions. That's all right. It's just, there's you know there's other choices out there. Um, so she starts changing, and I don't. I I like the way things are, and I consider her my uh, my daughter because my daughter killed herself, and I feel guilty about. Uh, that I think it's that it's my fault, and that's why I'm so paternal with 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 my crew with 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 it's like my my family. And she came around as she needed my help at the same time around when my daughter killed herself. And this year, I have a couple of of flashbacks of thinking of my daughter because there's a scene where I go into a, a gay bar and pick somebody up. But I start abusing him to the point verbally, until the point of that a bunch of people come out, a bunch of guys. He's tell, he get, brings out other guys, and they they beat the 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 crap out of me. But that's what I'm there for. I hide my gun and just there because of all the guilt and everything that I've been feeling. Uh, and during it, I I I see my my daughter and. What was great about it is 
my daughter, my real daughter, Carson, she got to play the part because she wants to be an actress. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, she was great. She was really, really good. But what it did, there was two scenes, and I can almost get emotional now, where she said something like, why? Why, why are you like you are? And it hit me so hard that I I literally couldn't stop crying. They yelled, it, it was, they just let the camera roll, and I wish they would elite, you know, TV, everything's gotta be fast and and but it was it was so deep. I was making noises. I don't know if anybody's been in an emotional crisis where you're crying so much that there's sounds that admit from yourself that that you've never made before. It, it, it was just really, really moving. It was great. It was a great, great, great experience. I love doing the show. I'm really going to miss the character, and I think Jennifer's fucked up for not wanting to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure everybody here. No, has no, some... no. The only reason she because she wants to because the dance show was two hours. So how could you know? You know that's, and the series is a lot, a lot of work. It's really hard. Yeah. No. And I mean, especially especially these days, people people have to take it seriously. It's a big commitment. It's both a time commitment and like you talk about, like they make it very quickly. But you know, Oof. the drama there is intense. So you've got to be ready at the drop. And of we're shooting two shows at a time. Right. Because they want to save money because, you know, maybe, a, a, you know, there's a there's something that happens. And and, uh, and can we help you, ladies? Um, you're thinking of your question, aren't you? <laughs> Should I ask him this? Or should I? No, 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 no. Don't ask him that. That's too personal. Too personal. Uh, anyhow, it, it was it was a, it was a great show. And I know this season is going to be great. Uh, it was just, it's such a, it just start. it just starts ratcheting up. It, you know, we're starting after two seasons. Anybody who's seen it, it's, you know, it gets intense at times. And this is the same thing. So, so she wants justice, but she wants to do it the proper way. And I'm saying it's much faster to do it the bad way. <laughs> My way to doing it. And I and she said, I really need to get this guy. So I help her get it, but I do it the way that you're not supposed to, but we got him. And it's just that 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 pull and that that confrontation that we have and 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 feeling that she's gonna leave me and it just emotionally just crushes me that that this girl who's my my daughter that I feel like is a daughter to me want, wants to move rejects me and and it just makes things even it's it more intense where when if something bad I'm in a bad situation and I I'm, I got that stuff boiling in me you know you just you better not do something bad and if someone does something bad they really feel my justice. Uh, because of everything that I got going on in my head. Uh, well, to help out one of our ATX sponsors, Shades of Blue is available on Hulu right now to stream, and it starts, uh, starts season three starts, I think the 17th, I think June 17th, so catch up. And uh, if you guys have questions for Mr. Leota, please step up to the mic, form a nice, polite line, and we're going to get to as many of them as we can. Yeah, straight Hi, on. Ray. Thanks for being Hi. here. Um, Field of Dreams is one of my family's all-time favorites. I oh, think it's thanks. timeless in a lot of ways. Thank you. Uh, what what uh, persuaded you to take the part? What do you remember about the experience? Not my, I never saw the movie. I've never okay. seen it. Wow. Uh, only because it's more of a, a sad story that my mom was really sick. It was during Goodfellas that, that they invited us to go to a screening and she just couldn't make it through the movie. Uh, so, but the making of it was, it was my third movie and, and, and it, 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 was, it was great. It was fun. And all I did was baseball, 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 in the batting cage, in the batting cage. The thing that really upset me 
is, and uh, I'm admitting it, but I, I know I could have done it. Shoeless Joe batted left-handed through right-handed. Mm. I bat right-handed and throw left-handed. Mm. I would, I would, I was training with the USC uh, baseball team, and, mm. the, and the coach Rod Dato uh, has won more uh, national championships than anybody else in in any other sport, and. They, they kept saying, I don't think they understood that, first of all, if you watch uh, old-time ba- baseball players, they're much more stilted and not as not as, as smooth as today's. Uh, so I, 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 so they said, well, you know what? Let them go. Then we'll just switch it. And at that time, I, I didn't uh, I didn't have any power or juice or the the <laughs> The balls to challenge them, and and that's uh, always bothered me. But I just figured, well, there's no way that he comes down as a ghost. Maybe he wanted to be a right-handed guy. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. It's it's a good point. We don't know what ghosts think about. We don't know. Well, what no. What happened was that there was a, there was on NBC. They they there was a baseball that uh, uh, they would always show uh, a baseball, and and what one of the uh, announcers admitted how good the movie was. But Sheila Joe didn't he didn't bat that way. He batted as a shut up. <laughs> uh, yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Hi. Um, you know, you talked about the roles that you picked and chose as you were coming up in your career. Was there ever a role that you told your agent, hey, I want this, I really want this, go fight for it, um, something that you wanted or maybe something that you were going for and didn't get? The only one, you know what's really going to be easier? If you take the mic out of the stand, because most people are not going to want to get up and get in line, oh, no. and they probably, it's much easier if, if you do it in the... Uh, uh, I mean, wouldn't it be when instead of getting up and feeling, oh my God, everybody's looking at me, I got to walk down there. If you just pass it around, seriously. There's a lot of pressure. Anyhow, the uh, opportunity to do that. What did you ask me again? Was there a role that you wanted? Oh, 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 oh. I heard about something wild in in my acting class uh, because I studied for five when I left the soap opera and came to California. I found a, an acting teacher, and I and I who I think is the best ever, Harry Mastrell George, and I studied with him twice a week, six hours a night, uh, uh, and and I just loved it, and, and the way his approach to everything. Um, so, so they so they mentioned, have you have you gone out? Have you heard about this movie, Something Wild? Did you go up for it? You, you're you're right, really right for it. And I said, no, I haven't. And I asked my agent, and and they uh, they said, well, no, we can, you know, the 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 they're really down. They they, they stopped accepting uh, people coming in. So I was really really down. I was thirty years old and hadn't done a movie yet, and that's kind of old for you know. To most of these guys, they start at nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. So. I remember coming home for Christmas and I was really down because I'm saying, oh, my God, you know, and I was almost down. I saved all my money from the from the soap. Thank God my dad was good with money. So I was able to live for five years, you know, in in a struggling actor's box. It was disgusting. This this brown carpet and stains on the curtain. It was a real acting uh, struggling actor's box. and I, I went home, and my parents were heavily involved in politics. And they said, and 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 I knew that Melanie Griffith was was already cast in it. And same thing with 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 Jeff Daniels. Uh, so they said, why don't you just call Melanie and ask her to you know to to get you in? And for some reason, I just felt that no, that's not the way you do it. You 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 know you don't do it that way. And I'm uh, I'm thinking and I'm down and and you know my parents are saying you know there's, there's what's the big deal you just call her now I knew Melanie because uh, she was at that time married to Stephen Bauer who I did uh, uh, who I went to college with for for four years we did Mice and Men you know he was he was a uh, uh, 
I forgot the characters, Lenny, and he was the uh, the George. George. Oh, he, no, Lenny's the the the, the brain damaged one, right? Yeah, uh, I was good in it, even though I don't remember that. Um, uh, so finally, you know what? I, I I called her. I said, Melanie, can you really nervous? Can you get me in to meet Jonathan? And she said, mm, like, I wish I could do her voice. Uh, <laughs> it's so high. And she said, yeah, of course I can. I'll, I'll make him a call. Because she was telling me that she uh, had a promise. She made Jonathan promise that she would have some say into who would play her husband because she did a movie with this guy that she just didn't like and they didn't get along and it really bothered her and affected her her performance. So she said, you gotta get a husband though. I, I have to like, I have to be okay with it. So she called Jonathan. Jonathan said, oh, Melanie, no, I, I, I can't. I got it down. This has been such a hard process. I've seen everybody out here. I've narrowed it down to three people. Uh, I, I I just really can't do it. And she just came in with, you gave, you said, you promised that I could, I could say something. I think she just did it uh, just because of that she wanted her promise, not that she believed in me that much. <laughs> but she, uh, so he finally said, oh, okay. So this is where luck meets, uh, uh, luck is, is preparation, uh, luck, uh, uh, meeting opportunities. <laughs> thank, thank you. Uh, so the first day, it's on a Monday. I go in, and I think he was there. And I talked. I just you just have a talk with them. So I I just had a talk with them, and I you know I had read the 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 script and would go over it and go over it, and and. I said, okay, I'm not getting turned down by the casting agents. If, if anything had, doesn't happen, you know, uh, at least I'd be, I'm turned down by the director. Tuesday, I get a call. Jonathan wants you to come in. He's got an actress that, that, that's going to come in and read the part with you. And this is the scene. I said, oh, wow, great. If I'm going to be turned down now, at, at least he's going he's to see me working. And I had already done lots of, of of homework on it and uh, i leave and i feel like i did a really good job and i'm very satisfied and he says well he doesn't want me then he just doesn't want me because after a while after you realize it's not personal it, it's even though you take it that way thursday i get a call come in and and jonathan wants you to read with jeff daniels so well wow this is great so i, I can't sleep as I, I was watching johnny carson and all of a sudden, Jeff Daniels comes on. And he, and he comes and he's talking about Woody. Because he just did Purple Rose of Cairo with Woody Allen. He's talking about Jack because he just did a movie with Jack Nicholson. And I say, oh, my God, I got to read with this guy tomorrow. I'm, I'm doing push-ups. <laughs> I just, I get up, push-ups, 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 looking at the, looking at, I'm sure I didn't sleep a wink. And I'm, um. So the, finally the day comes, and it was the scene that, uh, anyhow, it's a scene in the motel room where I, you know, I confront him for the first time. And I had done my homework. I was doing my homework, and, and uh, I just went in there. I just ratcheted it up and just, just was there, and I did it, and... and I said, well, now, now, now if he turns me down, at least he saw what I could do with an actor who Jeff Daniels is one of the best actors I've ever worked with. And he's continuing to be, he's just a great actor. And I get a call Super Bowl Sunday. Jonathan wants to, uh, to, to see you before he leaves for New York. Uh, so I go to, to this place, Hugo's on Santa Monica Boulevard. I talk with him. He leaves. Uh, this is still about to question anything that I wanted, and this is one that I wanted. He says, I'm, I'm, uh, I, 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 I'm, I, as you know, I've, I've been down to, to, to three people. Um, next week, I'm going to make a decision. So to me, Monday's in the, the middle. He said, in the middle of the week. So this thing, I'm going to kill it. Uh, uh, and and then and then and then he finally he, he called all of a sudden it's Thursday that's not the middle of the week 
and he, and he said, uh, he said, Ray, I would love for you to play Ray, because that was the character's name. And I hung up the phone, and I just broke. Uh, it was all the tension, all the years, I cried like a baby, because it was just so much pressure, and I wanted it so badly just to be in, in a movie. And it just so happened it was a really good script. He said, the only thing I want you to do is lose weight. <laughs> and you know to look and and i did and i went to a, a park where a lot of people played basketball and and i just and it was fenced in i just pretended i was in prison and i would run <laughs> around i would run around the actors are crazy words that's nothing to compare. You should see some of the things when I, with the homework I did. God, if we had another hour, boy, do I got stories. <laughs> and then I got it, and that's the one. But after that, uh, it was probably Goodfellas, because I, I had heard about that. And just to work with them, and I found out that I was the first person that Marty saw, because uh, they all... They, anyhow, so that that happened. That's an interesting story too. But uh, uh, well, hi, yeah. please. So I'd like to know um, what do you watch on TV these days, and do you think that we are living in a new golden era of TV? I watch Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, we watching me and my daughter nonstop uh, at dinner. Um, uh, and before I go to sleep, it relaxes me because usually I'd seen so the episode, especially when they do the beginning ones, it, it gets boring, so it puts me out. Uh, but what I really like watching are uh, shows about re real life. There's like like uh, on the Animal Planet, that's our National Geographic. There's just great stories, and they, you know, people hunting for the boar on this island with bows and arrows and, and any like 2020, 48 hours, any of the, that's, that's the stuff that I really like to watch. Uh, well, I think we've got time for one more if we've got any brave souls. Otherwise, you know, we can, and we do have a portable mic and we've got some people in the back. Great. See, I told you. You're hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So listen, uh, Dominic and Eugene is one of my all-time, I would say, top three favorite movies. Smart. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that. I thought it was just beautiful, your performance. God, you're smart. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> smart is opportunity plus glasses. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll meet the glasses. You don't scare me. Uh... It was, I was, I did something wild and that was with Orion. I was waiting to do something that was not, I don't know if anybody saw something wild, but I was like a wound up. It was a great debut character uh, and the way they shot it. And the first time that people saw me, um, uh, and I read Dominic and Eugene and I really, really loved it. It basically, it's about two, uh, two uh, fraternal twins, uh, who I'm, I'm uh, 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 studying to be a doctor. I, I've got uh, accepted for a residency in Stanford, and my brother is is brain damaged, and he was played by Tom Holtz, who was great. He was so good in that. I I think he did much better than Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man because it came out the same year. So that's my thing for for Tom. Uh, <laughs> But they didn't want, they thought I was the guy from Something Wild. So luckily my agent, she said, no, just sit down and, and meet with him. He's not like that. He's not like a maniac, but I'm going to kill this thing now. He's really hovering on you. It's been around, hasn't he, he it? He wants to, yeah. What do you think it is? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Starbucks. The coffee? Like, what does he want? It's like me in the Bean movie. <laughs> uh... So I went and met uh, with, with, with uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, he, was, he was in uh, um, uh, MASH, Mike. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and his partner was married to Bonnie Franklin. That's all I remember. I forgot his name. 
And I went and met with them and, and, you know, just talked and said how much I loved the script. And um, they said, great. And then they, 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 they called me back and they wanted to see me with, with, with Tom. So Tom was there and he was already in character. He, he, he really was. He was literally, this is months, a month or two before we started. And I sit down next to him and I said, oh my God, does he smell? He, like he didn't shower. He didn't, he was really, I, I hope that was for the part. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh but we sat and they, you know, and I just talked and looked and, hey, how you doing? And, you know, joked around a little with him because that was what my character was. And and the reason why he is brain damaged is because our father was abusive and used to beat us. And he got uh, he got a beating that, that he fell down the stairs, hit his head, and he became brain damaged. So he was... He was very slow as 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 you would. He was lucky that he lived, and I felt so guilty that I couldn't help him. You know, I'm I'm his for you know, my twin brother, and uh, that's what happens. Just it's just a really, really, really beautiful movie. It really is. Thank you, Smarty. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks, everybody, for coming out today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the festival. Please thank you, Mr. Leota. Uh Again, Shades of Blue, season three in June. Thank you all for tuning in to this live release of our ATX Festival panel. Please come back and listen to the variety of topics coming your way, from writers' rooms to reunions to industry insider issues. This podcast was made possible by our partners, Matica Productions and the Forever Dog Network. For more information on us and our podcast projects, please visit atxfestival.com and atvxp.com slash podcasts. Next year's festival dates are June 6th through 9th, 2019, and passes are available now.